0: Good evening. Good evening, great to see you all tonight, uh, we're going to be in the book of Joel, book of Joel, so you get to some of those larger prophets, you'll see Isaiah, Jeremiah, then you'll go on to Lamentations, Daniel, Ezekiel, Hosea, then to Joel, it's a little book, um, so don't, don't flip too fast, you'll go right past it, and so tonight I wanted to uh, talk about revival, Now there's been something, kind of a a topic I've been thinking about lately, and so uh, you see it here in the book of Joel, revival, and I think it's something that the church in America needs, as we were talking earlier about this uh, legislature and all these different kind of things that are going on in this country, and seeing God completely removed out of every part of it, I see as though we're on a downward spiral, and it's plain for us to see why, right? I mean, you 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 completely remove yourself, remove God from anything, and it's going to fall apart, yep. right? And not only in a country, but in a person's life, yep. right? You take God out of your life, you're going to fall apart, all yep. right? And I and I see some of that as well. So if we Joel's three books, but if you read those three books, it's very action packed. There's a ton of doctrine in there, and there's a ton of stuff you can learn. And I pray that uh, we can. Maybe draw some stuff from it here tonight. So let's start it with a word of prayer, and we'll get going. Oh, gracious Heavenly Father, I just pray you'd be with me as I speak. I know that I can't be a help, but I know you can through me. And so, Lord, I just pray your word speak, and that we hear from you tonight. And most important, Lord, I just pray that we leave here changed, that we don't leave the same that when we came in, that we be more like Jesus Christ because of your word. I thank you for your willingness to work with us. I know sometimes it's challenging. We thank you for it, Lord. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So if we look into Joel, I assume you're all there by now. Maybe you got the pages unstuck together. Um, the first part of Joel, up to, we're going to be looking at chapter 2, 12 through 27, is where our text is. But the first part of Joel 2, chapter 2, 12, so 1, 1 to 2, 12, they're going to see a lot of trouble for the nation Israel. There's judgment coming, and Joel is there to tell them about it. There's going to be a lot of bad things that are going to come. And the trouble has to do with disobedience and complacency and apathy of the people of Israel. And judgment being the result of that. And ruin, utter ruin. You can read all about it in this book. And what it is, is an illustration of God's judgment upon them. And it's nature. He uses nature and even people, other nations, to bring it about. And what God's trying to do in this book, and, and I think in all of these prophets as you read them, what God's trying to do is wake them up. Right? He's trying to wake them up. He's warning them. He's sounding the horn. He's, he's telling them, there's, there's a problem here between you and God, and God's not happy with it. He's trying to wake him up. And, and my question is, is our land going to be experiencing judgment? And I was just kind of talking about that. Absolutely. And I think what's going on in this country, God's not pleased with it. Right? With God removed, again, it's going to crumble. It's going to fall apart. And, might, and that's obvious, right? We can sit here and talk about it and we can harp on it, but it's not going to do us any good. The question is, is there hope? Is there hope? Yeah, there is hope. Because Joel isn't only a book of judgment, but it's also a book of hope. There is hope for revival. Listen to me, it's not too late to have some kind of revival here in this country. It's not too late to have revival here in Rapid City. And so I don't think it's out of line to long for that. I don't think it's out of line to look for that. Because I think it can happen, and I think that it can happen now. And if you ask me, there is hope. As long as God's in heaven, there's hope. Okay? And so we have a, first of all, we have a big-time problem. Like I said, the first part, up to 2.11, we have a big problem. When we see there's a big-time devastation by insects, if you look, go back to 1, uh, Joel chapter 1, verse 4, it says, That which the palmer worm hath left hath the locust eaten, and that which the locust hath left hath the canker worm eaten, and that which the canker worm hath left hath the caterpillar eaten. So this is a critter that's going to keep growing in different stages and it's going to devour the whole land. And I think it's, when I think about that, I think, okay, God's going to use something so small that a little kid could go smush on the ground. right? So that whatever instrument God uses, if he uses one so small and can devastate the nation, that just shows how big God is, right? He can use anything because he's God. And I think it's, it's proving a very interesting point. Here, using insects to do so. We're going to see there's invasion from nations. They're going to be destroyed. Verse 7 says, He hath laid my wine waste and barked my fig tree. He hath made it clean bare and cast it away. The branches thereof are made white. They're starving these people out. They're destroying them. There's severe drought. The, The crops are failing. You go to verse 10, The field is wasted. The land mourneth for the corn is wasted. and new wine is dried up. The oil languisheth. The crops are failing. There's no rain. Livestock is left with nothing to eat. Verse 18, how do the beasts groan? The herds of cattle are perplexed because they have no pasture. Yea, the flocks of sheep are made desolate. Go on to verse 19, there's even fire. O Lord, to thee will I cry, for the fire hath devoured the pastures of the wilderness, and the flame hath burned all the trees of the field. Boy, this isn't looking good, is it? I mean, you read that and... It's no good look at verse 15. Alas for the day, for the day of the Lord is at hand. And as a destruction from Almighty shall it come. Listen to me, none of this stuff is on accident. None of this stuff is just happening because Mother Nature decided to have fires and drought. It's because there's a God in heaven, He's not happy. He's judging these people, He's disciplining His people. And it's on purpose, it's discipline. And you look at 2.25, chapter 2, verse 25, it says, And I will restore to you the years that the locusts of eaten, the cankerworm, the caterpillar, and the palmer worm. And listen to this, my great army, which I sent among you. God's taken full control of these, He's taken responsibility for this. And so does any of this stuff look familiar? Do we see that going on now? Do we see it here in America? Do we, do we see it in the church? Do we see some spiritual drought In the church, do we see this downfall in America and why is that? Turn with me to Romans chapter 1, keep your finger here in Joel, Romans chapter 1 and verse 20, because as I look and see why is this happening and how could such a thing happen to such people and how can this happen to such people as Americans and this other thing? It's because of Romans one, twenty and 22, 20 through twenty two says, For the invisible things of him from creation of the world are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead so that they were without excuse, because that when they knew God, they glorified him not as God, neither were thankful, but became vain in their imaginations, and their foolish heart was darkened. Professing to be wise they became fools. That sums it up, right? You see disasters. You see drought, floods, earthquakes, tornadoes. And it seems like we see a lot of those. They're frequent. High gas prices. Who in here has bought eggs lately? <laughs> right? Things we can't control, right? Things that are going out of control, as far as we can see. But it's not only nature. It's not only things we can't control, but sin. Sin is running rampant right we we have a big time issue of sin listen to me we have a generation right now that is calling evil good and good evil now if you want to be popular you're gonna have to go do something silly you're gonna have to go chase a ball around to be to be lifted up and exalted but you go preach the word of god and you're going to be made fun of you're going to be persecuted You're doing the most important thing there is in the whole world. You're sharing salvation found in Jesus Christ so somebody can keep their soul out of hell and go to heaven and you are made an ignoramus. They're calling evil good and good evil. We have a society that protects the righteous and they punish or protects the wicked and punishes the righteous. I can see that fear has replaced faith. Sin has replaced sanity. Greed has replaced God. Hatred has replaced holiness. We see this happening in, in our homes. We see this happening in the church. We, as, as sometimes it seems as though we we're coming numb to certain things that should be offending us. We've become way too comfortable with, with things that we hear and things that we see. As though it it, it doesn't affect us anymore and it's happening in the church as well. We see church services that are eliminating preaching completely to replace that with entertainment. We're not even opening the Bible in some churches and people's aim is for happiness rather than holiness. People are more excited about shopping trips and football games than they are the prayer meeting. Why is that? People want their ears tickled instead of their hearts being searched by the scriptures. They want to be entertained. They don't want to be challenged. And and I see people would rather stay the same than instead of being conformed to the image of Christ. Right? We're, We're becoming complacent is what's happening. It's the same thing that we see here in the book of Joel. And listen to me. We have the same God. Amen? And we can wonder why this nation is struggling. And we have to look at the church. We're the ones with the truth. What are we doing with it? Right? It's a spiritual drought, I see. And I'm, I'm, I'm here to tell you that it's time for us to wake up as the church. Now that's a really encouraging message tonight. Right? What a great picture we got here on a Wednesday night. Right? now, But, I, but it's going to shift here at verse 12 here in chapter 2. So go back to the book of Joel. We're going to see God's plea. So it's going to shift here. We're going to get off the negativity here. We're going to look at what God has to say about all of it in the midst of it. Listen to this. Even in judgment, even in the midst of judgment, we see hope. What a great God we have. Amen. We have a God that's going to judge us. He's going to wipe them out. He's going to do all this stuff. But right in the middle of that, he's giving them hope. He's giving them another option. Let's look at verse 12. It says, therefore also now saith the Lord, turn ye even to me with all your heart, with fasting and with weeping and with mourning, and rend your heart and not your garments, and turn unto the Lord your God, for he is gracious and merciful, slow to anger and great of, of great kindness, and repenteth him of the evil, who knoweth if he will return and repent and leave a blessing behind him, even a meat offering and a drink offering unto the Lord Your God, God's pleading for repentance. He wants our hearts. He says, He says here to rend your heart, not your garment. He doesn't just want our external show. He wants our hearts to actually be rendered. He wants our hearts to be sorry. He wants our hearts to turn. He's not. He's not interested in what we're doing on the outside, unless it's stemming from what's going on on the inside right cuz God's going to change us from the inside out. 2nd Chronicles 7:14. I think we're really familiar with that in this church. If my people which are called by my name shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways then I will hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and will heal their land. That's God. The same and and so we need to be paying attention. We need a change of heart. We need to turn from the things that we were just talking about. Because when we do that, when, when there's repentance, when people are turned unto the Lord, that's the kind of thing that God uses to change the nation. Yeah. Right? He, he's willing to come and, and He's allowing us to be able to change. He's allowing us to give Him our hearts. Even if, you don't have, if He doesn't have it now. You can can give it to Him now. And He can use you to carry out His purpose and His plan. But what we have to do, we have to have a broken and a contrite heart, right? We need to deal honestly with our sin before God. We need not be flipping toward it. We we can't be winking at it or overlooking it. Because the hope that we have here, the hope of this country, the hope of this people, the hope of this city is going to be repentance. It's going to stem from repentance. Proverbs 28, 13 says, He that covereth his sins shall not prosper, but whoso confesseth and forsake them shall have mercy. First John 1, 9 says, If we confess our sins, He's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and forgive us from all unrighteousness. Picking up in verse 15, so we see that plea for repentance. Picking up in verse 15, we see a plea for restoration. It says, blow the trumpet in Zion, sanctify a fast, call a solemn assembly. Gather the people, sanctify the congregation, assemble the elders. Gather the children and lose that suck and those that suck the breasts. Let the bridegroom go forth of his chamber and the bride out of her closet." Let the priests and ministers of the Lord weep between the porch and their altar, and let them say, Spare thy people, O Lord, and give not thine heritage to reproach that the heathen should rule over them. Wherefore should they say among the people, Where is their God? Then will the Lord be jealous for his land and pity his people. So God is calling all people here. Do you see that? He's got quite a list of people there. He's calling them from littlest to biggest. That's like what we say in our house. The baby sucking the breast, right? All the way to the oldest. He needs everyone there. He's saying, get everyone there. They all need to hear it. This is so important that that the whole assembly has to be here, littlest to biggest. Because God wants people to come and seek him. God wants people to come to him. God's not willing that any should perish, but all should come to repentance. Is God's calling his people back to himself. And what that's saying for us today or tonight is that we need to put God first in our life. We need to put God first in our life. And I'm afraid that, that a lot of us don't necessarily do that all the time. We don't have God first in our lives. And we must yield to him. We must yield to the Holy Spirit. And quit yielding to the world. We need total surrender. We need our, he needs our heart. He needs our life. He needs every bit of us. We can't have one foot in and one foot out. We can't have one foot in Christianity and one foot in the world. Now, are we to be able to, that it doesn't mean we're just going to go live in a rock somewhere. Like, we can enjoy the things God gives us. Amen? But we have to make sure we're not clinging so tight to those things that if they go away, we're completely devastated. Right. Yep. We need to remember how we got those things. Why do we have those things? Why does God bless us with things? It's because of how good He is and how much He loves us. Amen. And we praise Him for it, and we don't cling to the things. Does that make sense? Yes. We have to come back to God. We have to surrender. And, and we see, uh, picking up in verse 18... We see God's plea in verse 18 down through 27. We see God's promise. Then will the Lord be jealous for this land and pity his people. Yea, the Lord will answer and say unto his people, Behold, I will send you corn and wine and oil, and you shall be satisfied therewith. And I will no more make you a reproach among the heathen. But I will remove far off from you the northern army and will drive him into a land barren and desolate, with his face toward the east sea and his hinder part toward the utmost sea. And his, sink, his stink shall come up and his ill savor shall come up because he hath done great things. Fear not, O land, be glad and rejoice, for the Lord will do great things. Do you hear that? Fear not, O land, be glad and rejoice, for the Lord will do great things. Be not afraid, ye beasts of the field, for the pastors of the wilderness do spring. For the tree beareth her fruit, the fig tree and the vine do yield their strength. Be glad then, you children of Zion, rejoice in the Lord your God. For he hath given you the former rain moderately, and he will cause to come down for you the rain, the former rain, the latter rain in the first month. So we got God's promise to restore. Do you see that? So we got the... We got the the, the promise. We got the plea for restoration, and he promises to restore. And God's enabling power. He's he's pleading. He's showing us what we need to do. If you guys turn to Philippians chapter 2, leave your finger in Joel, Philippians chapter 2. You got Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians there in the New Testament. God's enabling power. He's pleasing us. Listen to this. God's pleading with these people, He's pleading with us, and He promises to help at the same time. Right, that's how great God is. He's, he's pleading with us. He's showing us what we need to do. He's going to show you areas of your life that you need help, and he's showing you so that he can come in and help you. Right? Because we're abiding with God. We have a relationship with God. He's not our uh, substitute teacher that's going to say, now go clean that up in your life and then come back to me and we'll talk. He's saying, no, you have a problem in your life, and with me and my help, we're going to take care of it. Philippians 2.13 says, For it is God which worketh in you both to will and to do of his good pleasure. You see that? God's going to tell you what to do, and then he's going to help you do it. That's the beauty of Christianity. It's not up to us. What do we have to do? Surrender. Right. That's that's our job. We have to give him our heart, give him our life, give him our body. And he does the will. He shows us what we need to do. And then he does the work. And we're missing that today. At least I am sometimes. Right. He promises to deliver them from their enemies. He promises to feed them. He promises to bless them and he promises to satisfy them. If they'll come to him. We have to make the move. We have to to come to Him for that. They're not going to fix this mess themselves. Listen, we make a mess of our life and we aren't going to fix it ourselves. This nation made a mess out of itself. It ain't going to fix itself. God of heaven will fix it. If we'll let Him. Now all God's children long for God to move among us. Right, if you're sitting in here tonight and you're God's child, you're longing in your heart. Your desire is to see God move among us. Right? Or it should be. Right, I want to see that. I want to see God move. I want to see God bless His people. And I'm, I'm just thankful that we're, we are God's people because we're in Christ. We are His. We're His children. There's still hope. Listen to me, there is still hope. Because we are still His children. That's right. But listen to me, we've got to do something. We have to get to work. Amen. And I'm not talking about earning no salvation, earning a no favor. I'm talking about we need, to, we need to start working for the Lord. You're preaching the gospel to every creature. So we see His promise to restore, and then we see a promise of revival. Verse 23 I think I already read it, but I'll read it again. Be glad, then, ye children of Zion, and rejoice in the Lord your God, for He hath given you the former rain moderately, and He will cause to come down for you the rain, the former rain and the latter rain in the first month. And the floor shall be full of wheat, and the fat shall overflow with wine and oil. And I will restore to you the years that the locust hath eaten, the cankerworm, the caterpillar, and the palmer worm. My great army, which I sent among you, you see that I will in there right he's, he's saying, he just come to me don 't fear, and I will restore to you. he doesn 't say that I might restore it, or I should or could, and if God says he 's going to do something he 's going to do it Amen. and he 's promising to restore this and, uh, and, he, and he's uh, going to deliver them from their enemies. He's going to do all those things. And he's going to promise this revival. He's going to revive the land. He's going to give it rain. The rain it needs to grow back. All that's been lost. All that's been devoured. He's going to revive it. You see what I'm saying here? All that's been lost. God will revive it. He'll bring it back. Well we must ask. We must plea with the Lord that we can experience this. And one of the most pretty, beautiful sights I've ever seen is when I come in this building on a Wednesday night and I see God's people on their knees. I'm telling you right now, that's what it's going to take. Are we on our knees pleading for God to come and restore this people? Are we pleading with them? Are we desiring that? Are we on our knees asking for that? All we've given over to the enemy can be restored. Are we we asking God to restore those things? Are we praying for revival? Are we praying for God's power? Are we praying for his conviction for our sin? Are we praying for our holiness, that we could be a set-apart people, a people that people see God in us, that people see Jesus Christ in us? When they see us, they say, that man's been with Jesus. There is something different about that man. There is something different about those people. And something so different that I want it. Is that how we're living? Is that, is that what we're pleading for? Oh, that God's people would seek His face and ask God to move. Is that the most important thing to us? Is to see God move? That we're seeking His face above everything else that we can see God moving. We can see restoration. That we can see forgiveness of sins. And we can see souls brought to Christ. To see how we've fallen, we, have, we must desire, our desire in our heart must be to get back on track. Right? The revival in the church is going to be the only hope. And you know where revival in the church starts? Is it our home? It starts in our home, mom and dad. Are we raising our children up so they want to serve the Lord? I'm telling you that the poles of the world are Strong. Strong. But God's bigger. Amen. We need to get a hold of God, is what I'm saying. That's right. And so he has a promise to restore, he has a promise for revival, and then he promises rejoicing. What's the only result of all of this? We were just talking about it on Sunday to rejoice. We can rejoice. Verse 26. <clears throat> And ye shall eat in plenty and be satisfied. Boy, that sounds good to me. Listen to this. And praise the name of the Lord your God that hath dealt wondrously with you. And my people shall never be ashamed. You see that? To praise the name of the Lord. Listen to me, when you see God restore someone, when you see someone in a broken life, someone whose life is a complete disaster and God puts that back together and they go on to serve Him, that causes rejoicing. Right? So when we have issues going on in this church, in this body, and we bring it to someone, or if we have a problem with someone and it's reconciled, that's a cause for rejoicing. I can see it in my family when I have a little, two little kids that are fighting each other and they look at each other and they say, I'm sorry, Will you forgive me? And then she said, yeah, I'm sorry. I was was trying to please myself instead of please God. That's biblical reconciliation found in little kids. I don't know why adults have such a hard time with that. But I'm telling you, if that's what's going on in the house and that's what's going on in here, then people are going to see God. God's people need to get on board here with this. Because it's, it's a, it, Philippians 4, four. if you want to turn there, you can turn to Philippians four. 4 but we are rejoicing, this is going to cause rejoicing, this restoration and these different things are going to cause us to rejoice, revival causes rejoicing, rejoicing in what? The Lord, right? And that's what it says, praise the name of the Lord your God, and, and nothing else. We don't rejoice in our carnality. We don't, enjoy, we don't rejoice in how great we are, right, or, or of how talented we are as people. No, we need to rejoice in the Lord. Philippians 4.4 4 says, rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. You see, the, rejo- the rejoicing's in the Lord. That's it. That nowhere else. We must worship God for who He is. Right? We love God because He first loved us, right? And that's, that's a cause to rejoice. God's goodness, His holiness, His righteousness cause us to rejoice. God's grace working in us is a cause to rejoice. Right? We have God's grace working in us. You remember the He's to will and to do His good pleasure. He's working in us, and that's God's grace. And listen to me. If we can't rejoice... If we, if, we, if we have no rejoicing in that, then what Jesus would tell us to do is to die better. Right? Because we need to be rejoicing. And if our desire is not of the Lord, if we're in here tonight and the, our desire is just not of the Lord, you're just waiting for me to stop yelling up here so we can go home. Right? When is this guy going to shut up? Right? But if that's our desire, if our desire is not in the Lord, then that means His grace, His help, is not working in us. And if His grace isn't working in us, if if there's no rejoicing in us because of what's happened, then there's one thing probably in your way, and it's your pride. And I know that we uh, people have a lot of that going on. I know I do. We have a lot of pride. James 4, 6 says, But he that giveth more grace, wherefore he saith." God resisteth the proud, but giveth grace unto the humble. So he promises to restore. He promises revival. He promises rejoicing. And one last one in verse 27, he's going to promise realization. So we can stick to those R's, amen? Those of you taking notes and that care. Just kidding. Verse 27. And you shall know that I am in the midst of Israel and that I am the Lord your God, and none else. And my people shall never be ashamed. He said that twice. You know as he said that in that last verse. Right? Realization. When restoration comes, these people, they'll realize that it's God that did it. Right? And I'm telling you, I can look at my life and see what God put together, what I tore apart, and I know that only God could do such a thing. And I think everyone's got the similar testimony in here tonight. Their source of strength and power of old, God of old, they're not ashamed. Listen, if you put your trust in God and you let God do all the work, listen to me, you're not going to be sorry for it. You're not going to be ashamed of it. We won't be sorry. And that's the hard part. If we completely surrender our life 100%, if we completely give it over, that's the hard part. Because what if, what if something bad happens or, or we start to think of doubt and we fear, right? But I'm telling you, it says it twice right here, but you're not going to be ashamed. I mean, if it said it once, that should have been plenty. But it did say twice. We're not going to be sorry. If we, if we follow God with our whole heart and we completely give it to Him, we're going to be happy and we're going to rejoice, not be sorry over it. And that's what I want to see. I want to see something where we know as a church that these people in here right now, that all of us in here, that we can see something and know that it's God working. That it is undeniably God working. I want to see that. Not that man, what man can do, but to have absolutely no doubt that God's at work. Like we can do a lot as man in a church. We can do a lot of things and make something look like it's happening. But I want to see something beyond that. I want to see something that God is doing. That we can all look and, and be completely blown away because we know only God could do such a thing. I want, to do, I want to see something that causes the people without to realize who the God we serve is. Amen. That's what I want to see. They may laugh now. Remember verse 17? There it says, and uh, spare thy people the Lord that give not. It says, uh, wherefore should they say among the people, where is their God? Have you ever experienced that? Well, where's your God? Well, you believe in God? Well, you're a Christian? I suppose you're weak enough. I don't need Christianity because I'm strong. But you're weak, so you need it. Because you have a crutch, and you're injured, and you need to have Christianity for your crutch. And my answer to that is it's more like a stretcher. Because if I can think I can get in heaven in any bit of my own strength, like on a crutch, then I'm sorely uh, wrong. They're going to carry me in there on a stretcher because I have nothing to offer. Amen. And so let them laugh. I want to see God do the unexplainable. And how does that happen? Again, we have to ask. Right? Get on your knees and, and plead these things. Ask God to do the unexplainable. To make his presence known in the church. Here. In this place. Even tonight. I, we don't have to wait till tomorrow. Let God get a hold of us tonight. One of my favorite things to talk about in the Bible, and I'm out of time, but is the, the potential. Potential. There's a lot of people sitting in this auditorium right now. You know how much potential is sitting in here. I'm telling you, because anybody can surrender their life. Right? <laughs> Just let go. Let go of the things we cling to. Just give it over to God. Anyone can do that. God doesn't need how good you are. God doesn't need how smart you are. God doesn't need how talented you are. He needs you. And we can all offer that and be used of God. This group of people, we could go change this whole city right now. If we would just get a hold of God and have revival. If it would just happen, and it can happen. It's not out of our reach. God wants that. Mark 2.1 says this, and and I I love it. It says, and again, he entered into Capernaum, speaking to Jesus, after some days. Listen to this. And it was noise that he was in the house. Right? Let's make that true tonight. Too much of what goes on in the church can be explained. But when God moves, it's a supernatural thing. And I want to see that. It's not too late, and and so let this church, Liberty Baptist Tabernacle, let this church be an example of this very thing, an example of what kind of God we serve, holy and righteous, gracious and merciful. Remember verse 13, for he is gracious and merciful, slow to anger and of great kindness, and repenteth him of the evil. Listen to me. God, with repentance and faith, can turn things around. Amen? Amen. He can. And He will. He promises it. But we have to get back to God. So if we're we're not with God tonight, if, if you're apart from God tonight, get back with God. Wake up. I want you to turn to Romans 13 to close. We'll just read this, Romans 13. Because what we need is revival. We need a revival personally. We need God to come into our life personally. And it needs to do a work in us that's going to cause us rejoicing. He's going to cause us to, to do these outward acts. His good works, He's both to will and to work His good pleasure. When we're doing that, when we're abiding in Christ, that's what He needs from us. He needs our heart. And when those things are happening... Then we're going to experience God and then we're going to come here and we're going to gather with other people doing the same thing. And then that's how things are going to be changed out there. I'll close by reading this verse. There are two verses, Romans 13, 11 and 12. It says, And that, knowing the time, that now it is high time to awake out of sleep, for now is our salvation nearer than when we believed. The night is far spent. The day is at hand. Let us therefore cast off the works of darkness. And let us put on the armor of light. Let's pray.